0: Hi, welcome to the Parenting Reframe podcast. I am Elbiona Rakipi, your host. I'm a former teacher, a parent, currently a pediatric speech and language pathologist, and I'm a writer. I've worked with thousands of children and families throughout the last 20 years, and I have learned so much. On this podcast, we'll approach parenting from a curious place. We'll ask questions and get answers, explore new ideas unpack the unconscious beliefs and expectations we hold on to about parenting, and reframe what it means to parent. We'll search for solutions to some of our biggest parenting challenges, set aside judgments, and find our way through this wild journey. My hope is that this podcast is a space where parents can feel seen, heard, and supported. Welcome aboard, and let's reframe together. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Parenting Reframe podcast. So I'm going to do another solo episode. I'm going to hopefully I can make it um, a mini-sode. I don't want to kind of drag these out too long, but I have to touch on the fact that the TikTok post that I posted last week about rude language that kids may use or kids talking back. I think, I don't know what determines a post is going viral, but we're at about 1.7 million views. And within 24 hours, it already reached a million views and tons of comments, tons of responses. A lot of people emailing me really wonderful questions, really thoughtful questions. And What it tells me is that it resonated, right? It 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 hit a nerve. And so, essentially, for those of you that aren't familiar with the post and what I said, I'll kind of sum it up really quickly. You know, you have three minutes on TikTok to post a video, and so what I said was that a lot of times when kids use rude language or when kids talk back, it can be incredibly triggering for parents. In part, it's because the way we see it, the way it sounds to us, is that it's incredibly disrespectful, and it almost feels like an assault on our parenting. There's a lot of shame we might carry about the fact that I cannot believe my kid just spoke to me that way. I highlight the fact that a lot of this has to do with the way that you were raised. So I use myself as an example. I was raised in a home that was incredibly loving, but also strict. And so you would have never gotten away with talking back. There was a lot of fear around that. And I don't know that we ever really wanted to talk back in all honesty, but it just wasn't permitted and you knew it. So now in this sort of next generation of parenting, where we're really trying to help our kids process their emotions, name their emotions, have a better understanding of what bubbles up for them and then how to manage that so that they don't resort to rude talking, When they backtalk or when they have a quick comment back to you, more often than not, if you don't have a process in place to take over and to calm yourself down, you will respond from a triggered place. You will likely have a pretty intense reaction. So what starts to happen is you match your child's energy and your child starts to match your energy. So let's use an example. Your kid says something really rude to you like, I don't want to eat that gross food that you made. Let's say it's something like that. You can't even stand that they had the nerve to say that. So without even missing a beat, you bite back hard. And you're like, you don't get to talk to me that way. That's it. Give me your phone. Give me this. And we kind of really get in there. And then our kid matches our energy. And now if you have a strong-willed child, we all know that the minute you bite back or try any kind of tactic where it's going to be a little bit more intense, they're immediately triggered back. And you just have this really unhealthy back and forth that just continues to escalate. By the time you're done arguing or by the time you're done battling, nobody even knows what the original issue, even was. So I mentioned my four-step process called PAR, and PAR stands for Pause, Acknowledge, Respond, Reflect. If you want to learn more about PAR, I'll have it in the show notes. I did a recording about a month ago. Um, It was a free webinar, and so I've included the download of the recording for free if anybody is interested. I think it's really important to have an understanding or a process or a practice that you can lean on to help yourself identify what it is that's triggering you, what it is that causes you to have big reactions. At what point are you kind of parenting reactively? And can we shift that so that it's a little more responsive? That was the you know, intent of PAR for when I started to use it. I started to have really kind of quick, snippy reactions to my kids. I wasn't liking it. And I decided to really take a step back and kind of go, what is this? What's coming up for me? Why am I reacting this way? This isn't the kind of tone I want to have with my kids. I don't want to be constantly nagging them or arguing with them. And where is all this coming from? And essentially, I think what it leads us to is that my hope is that PAR will get you to a place where you can really start to unpack some of that programming, some of that conditioning, some of those subconscious, unconscious beliefs that we hold on to about parenting. So if we can do that, then we can better understand how our responses are coming up, what's impacting the way we see things, right? We can have a parenting lens that's skewed, that stays stuck in some of those unconscious beliefs about what it means to be a good parent, or we can create some type of framework so that we recognize some of those things we're holding on to. And then you can discern like, that's silly. I don't know why I thought that that's what I had to do to be a good mom, or I'm going to let that go. Or you might kind of look back at it and go, you know what, that's really important to me and I'm going to hold on to that. But maybe I'll just change the way I'm reacting or responding. So anyways, for more info on PAR, I've done other episodes on PAR, so you can certainly scroll through and look to see which episodes cover that. And I've written articles on the website, so you can get yourself caught up on that. But I mentioned PAR in the post, and I talk about this idea of really checking in with your trigger so that you're not responding to your child in this really kind of quick way, because ultimately it doesn't work. You all know that, right? A lot of people in the comments who are coming back at me with like, you're the reason kids are all entitled and all of this kind of stuff. And I just find it really funny. It's like, oh my goodness, Like at no given point in the post, I now get to this, but I didn't say to not set a boundary. I didn't say to not hold your kids accountable. That is not it at all. But we can allow room and space for our kids to feel a certain way. And also, we should take a minute to recognize how we're responding. And if it isn't working, why not consider a new way of doing something? So essentially, that's the offering. So I go on to then describe the example, a parent gets triggered. Now, if you can kind of anchor down and check your triggers and kind of check those and put those in place, what I would love for you to do when your child resorts to back talking or using rude language is to simply A, recognize how they're feeling. And this does not have to be a long convoluted explanation, by the way. It's simple. It's like, I can tell by the words you're using, you're mad. That's it, period. And then we're going to jump in with our boundary but i will not talk to you when you talk to me that way. i think it's important to say this because we want to model for our kids what is and isn't acceptable in terms of treatment. you're not saying i don't like you, you're not saying anything like that. you're just saying, "hey, i get it. i see you're you're completely kind of losing it here for a second. i get that you're mad. you can't talk to me that way." now here's the alternative. you can take a break. do you need a reset? do you want to try again? ultimately, The back-talking, rude-talking shouldn't yield any kind of value, right? And remember, sometimes a negative reaction, a yelling, a fight, a confrontation, that can be value, depending on how your child processes that attention. So you don't really want to find yourself going down that rabbit hole. You're much better served if you can just say, hey, I can tell you're really mad by the words you're choosing to use right now, but it's not okay to talk to me that way. So until you can calm your body down and we can have a conversation that's acceptable, I'm not talking to you. I'm here, let me know if I can help you, but we're not talking until you calm down. That's my boundary. That's all. You don't have to go into a lot more detail than that. A lot of parents will say, oh, but they'll keep asking or they'll keep saying it. You just set your boundary and stay calm. You know, and maybe you go back and say, okay, do you feel calm? Do you feel ready? And if they blow up again, then you stop. You don't engage it. You can stay there with them. You're not mad at them. And by the way, I've said this before in other videos and I've said this before in other podcast episodes. Your kids are not in trouble for the way they feel. Feelings don't yield punishments. They don't yield, you know, grounding them. They can feel how they can feel. It doesn't mean they get away with talking to you they want. That's different. That can have a consequence, but you can just see that they're mad. With older kids, certainly if it escalates, I think a natural consequence is totally appropriate in this moment. Right? You can allow as it builds, you can kind of have a framework in place. I do a lot of that in coaching. So if your child continues to escalate and escalate, yes, we certainly want to build in some consequences, not punishments that feel punitive in nature, but consequences. So what I wanted to highlight was this. I was listening to Dr. Becky talk on this um, exact topic on the idea of like when kids use rude language or talk back. And I love Dr. Becky, and she wrote a book called Good Inside, and she's got I mean, just a wealth of knowledge. She's a fantastic person to follow and know if you're looking to sort of improve or recognize and there are other ways we can connect with our kids that might not be, you know, quote unquote, conventional. And she's really big on this idea of allowing kids to feel their feelings, allowing kids to have their emotions. And what I find a lot of times when I'm coaching a family or coaching parents is that often they'll describe their own childhood and they'll say, you know, I wasn't allowed to feel my feelings or I wasn't ever given an explanation, right? And so what's starting to happen is this, and I'll get back to in a quick second, I want to highlight what Dr. Becky had said. Dr. Becky had said that a lot of times a parent will say, and I'll hear this too in coaching, you know, they're not respecting me, they're being disrespectful. And Dr. Becky says, it's actually what you want to say is they're not fearing me, And that is the truth, and there's a big distinction there, right? Respect is one thing. Asking our kids to fear us is a completely different thing in order to gain compliance. Now, if you as a parent decide that you want to use more of a fear-based framework because you feel like it is working so well, I just want to highlight two things. One, it will work in the short term with a child who values approval, Eventually, you will have long-term consequences to this style of parenting because your child will always seek approval, permission, and guidance outside of his or herself. They will not understand how to determine right from wrong without some form of permission. They will walk through life fearful. And there are consequences to that, particularly when we think of our kids becoming teens, preteens, even young adults, we want them to have a sense of who they are. We want them to have a sense of being able to filter through things and make the decisions we need them to make when we're not there. And also they're going to make decisions we don't love when we're not there. That's part of the process, right? But fearing us shouldn't be the go-to. It shouldn't be the thing you lean on because you're recognizing that it's working, Number two, when you use a fear-based framework with a strong-willed child, not the child who is seeking approval, it won't work. It will not work. I've worked with so many families who are in this position and they say to me, I've tried this, I've tried spanking, I've tried disciplining, I've tried being harsh, I've tried timeouts, I've tried being really nice, I've tried being calm, nothing works. It's because we're going about it a little bit in a direction that isn't effective. And I'll get to that a little bit later when I bring up the webinar that I'm going to be doing in a couple of weeks. So what I want to say is this, Dr. Becky made that really great distinction. She says, we're actually saying you're not fearing me, you're not respecting me. That's not the same thing. So keep that in mind when you start to entangle respect with the expectation that you have. Do I think kids should walk around using rude language and talking back? No, I do not. Do I have kids now at 20 and 17 who use rude language and talk back? No, they don't. And I'm not saying I did a perfect job as a parent by any means, nor my husband, but you can teach this in a way without terrifying them, without constantly fighting with them, without constantly lashing out and giving different punishments. It does not have to be that way. You just hold that boundary with love. So with that, there's that model of parenting, right? That fear-based, it's so effective, it scares my kid. I'm going to go ahead and do it because I can see it's working. With that, that pendulum, and I'm going to go back to now the parents who say to me in a coaching session that I felt like nothing was taught to me or explained to me when I was a kid. I was either in trouble and I didn't know why I was in trouble or this was happening and that was happening, but I could never ask. I could never be the curious kid that I wanted to be. So with that, that pendulum swung really far in a completely different direction. And what we have is a lot of parents offering multiple explanations and teachings to their kids. This is also unnecessary. So my goal here isn't to say let's just everybody kumbaya feel our feelings sit in a circle um let kids do whatever they want nobody has to be accountable that's not really my position when I think of parenting and when I'm coaching parents it's that how do we find the middle how do we find that balanced place when you over communicate with your child and constantly explain things The assumption then is that you think your child isn't learning or isn't observing and taking things in for themselves. They are. Nine out of 10 times when you were a child and you got, quote unquote, in trouble, and you say to me in a coaching session that nobody explained anything, nobody taught me, what I really think you're saying to me is nobody considered me and nobody saw me those are not the same things. I would argue that nine out of 10 times when you did something that you got in trouble for, you likely knew what you did. You didn't need a long explanation from your parent. But what you did need was you needed to feel seen in that moment and not ashamed. So that's the sweet spot. We have to find that sweet spot where we can set a boundary with love and stay calm, but firm right? That's really, really important. I've had a lot of questions about strong-willed kids and, but my child is this, and then they'll do that, and they're so defiant. I get it. I work with so many kids who would fit that description, and I will let you in on a little secret. They're my favorite. They're my favorite. Many of the parents of these kids follow me on social media and you know this. And in part, it's because I think there's something so extra cool about these kids because it's like they make you work a little bit harder for that trust. They make you work a little bit harder before they completely let you in. But my goodness, when they let you in, they love you hard, right? They love you just as much as when they're fighting. They have big emotions. They have big feelings. They're asking for us to set boundaries up for them so that they know who has power with them. So they are not constantly feeling out of control. If we tiptoe around kids who we describe as strong-willed or talking back or rude or whatever the case is, right? All of these kind of fall under the umbrella of a strong-willed kiddo. When we tiptoe, we communicate to our child, we have a lot of anxiety around all these emotions that you have, and we don't really even know what to do about it. That's not what you want to communicate to them. You want to be that strong parental leader that they need you to be, but you want to do it with love. So I wanted to highlight these points because I couldn't squeeze all of that in into a quick TikTok video, but I'm going to dig even deeper. And what I'm going to do is I am hosting a webinar on June 29th. It's a Thursday. I'm going to do it virtually so that I can have many people in there because I think this topic is really resonating with many and I can just tell from the questions that I'm getting. I have a lot of parents who almost feel like they're hanging on by a thread and it just breaks my heart because there is a way through this. The webinar is going to be all about raising strong-willed kids Going to be an hour over Zoom at five o'clock Eastern Standard Time, two o'clock Pacific. If you are not on my email list, make sure to get on my email list so that you get all the information. You will also have a link in the show notes so that you can just go right to the page and sign up for this webinar. I'm so excited to put this together. And as questions keep funneling in, it's like, oh, I know exactly what to say to that. I know exactly how to help this person. So I want you all in this webinar because guess what? Nine out of 10 times your question is also the other parent's question and the other parent's question and the parent beyond that. So asking those questions is critical because you're not alone. That's the point I want to make. You're not alone. And with some tweaks, some shifts, and some changes in the way we're showing up, the way we're setting our boundaries, the way we're managing our triggers, you will shift and change the way you are connecting with your child, particularly if it is a child who is strong-willed. So with that, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you got a lot out of it. Until next time. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you liked what you heard, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast wherever it is that you're listening right now. And what really makes my day is if you share or recommend the podcast to a friend, it is the greatest compliment. If you have not already, head on over to parentinereframe.com where you can subscribe to get my weekly newsletter, Parenting Skimmed. 10 sentences delivered to your inbox every Thursday to help you parent and live a better life. It's for the parent who constantly told me, I just don't have time to read. Make sure to come and say hi to me on Instagram at The Parenting Reframe. My DMs are always open and I love hearing from you. Until next time, this is Albiona.